What's up, everyone? It's your host, Thomas Kopelman, and this is The Long Game Podcast, a podcast about turning passions into purpose. In each episode, you'll hear highly motivated individuals share their stories of pursuing their passions, taking control of their destiny, and ultimately living their purpose, leaving you inspired to follow their lead. Thomas Kopelman is a financial advisor at RLS Wealth. All opinions expressed by Thomas and his podcast guests are solely their own and do not reflect the opinions of RLS Wealth. This podcast is for educational, informational, and entertainment purposes. It should not be considered advice. Consult your financial advisor, tax, legal, and any other advisors you have before making any decisions regarding your financial plan. All right, welcome back, everyone, for another episode of the Long Game Podcast. Um, Before I introduce my guest today, I got a little announcement. So this will be the last episode of this season. Um, sad to see it come to an end, but have some big news coming in the next couple months that is going to take some time to work on. So this is the last episode of like the one-on-one, but I'm going to have an episode coming up here that's going to be a roundtable with some um, really successful people that are going to share some advice for the audience. So looking forward to that one, but thanks for everybody who followed along this season. So today I am joined by Nate Spangle. So Nate is a graduate of DePaul University, where right out of college, he got accepted into the Orr Fellowship. Um, Probably a lot of you outside of Indy don't really know, but it's this really cool two-year program that is, they kind of place you into a job, um, but over that time, they really help you network and develop and and get integrated into all these businesses around here. And so it's really a great setup to honestly just have a good network, not even have to really search for a job after it's, you know, who knows you, who wants you to come work there, which is really cool. Um, Nate's also a high school wrestling coach, and he started his own business um, called Bat Hats. Um, and now after he finished the first two years at or working for Apex Benefits, he is now the head of community at Powder Keg. So, Nate, thanks for joining me. Yeah, for sure, my man. I'm, uh, I'm excited to be on. Uh, me too, man. So sounds like you've been doing a lot. So <laughs> I kind of gave a little brief intro, but I want you to kind of start going into your journey. I really always start with, you know, where you've come from how did you get here you know what what led you into or fellowship and yeah and and what that experience was like while starting that business for sure so uh so i'll give the background so i'm from rural northern indiana small town called bourbon so uh it's a 1200 person town one stoplight and a subway sounds fun very nice pizza restaurant (laughs) spent a lot of time around bonfires and uh and that whole nine yards so um did you have like the drive the tractor to school type oh of course you had. (laughs) i personally didn't have a tractor i was one of the kids that lived in town but uh but yes we did have the ffa the corduroy jackets and the drive your tractor to school day uh and then from there i ended up going to depaul university out on the out in greencastle and another big town yeah another it was 10,000 people in Greencastle was a booming metropolis <laughs> like they were big enough for McDonald's I was like sign me up I'm there um so I ended up going there uh, I originally went to play football turns out that uh the the guys on the team out in at DePaul were a little bit better than than hometown Triton so I, I was on the team for three years hmm. played JV and then my senior year I transitioned into the social media coordinator so I was doing like video production and, and hmm. social media and actually like impacted the team which was pretty cool, cool. Uh, and it was just like I love football and got to stay around it and I love the school so much that I was just like had to go there um, yeah. met some of my best friends and then through that through the connections that I made while at DePaul which were I mean great time great place great people uh, got me hooked up uh, some alumni fraternity brothers that were 
one year older and two years older than me, had gone through or fellowship, had great experience uh, with or fellowship and said that if you're entrepreneurial or if you have insight, like if you like talking to people and networking, like this is the thing for you. So I went through the application process and found out in November of my senior year that I was going to become an or fellow and go work at Apex. And, and I was going to be an employee benefits consultant. And mm-hmm. as the college senior that I was, I said, consultant. Holy cow, like, let's go. I've made it. Like, I had to call up everybody I knew and told them I was going to be an employee benefits consultant. And then I found out that that meant I was selling group health insurance. Yeah. It was like a great experience. Uh, so I did that for two years um, as I after I graduated school. Uh, and then during that time, right, so learning about Anthem and United and all the great aspects of, uh, of group health insurance, uh, I got, the entrepreneurship bug was still, was still kind of kicking in me. So... Um, during that time, I got into first. I went into real estate, so got into rentals. Uh, I, uh, me, and and a couple buddies own uh, some properties here in Indianapolis. Then from that, we launched Bat Hats. Well, actually, first off, I launched a brand of wooden laptop cases that I still mm. think was a great idea. Uh, it's called Heartwood Cases, R.I.P. It uh, it never caught on. Nobody wanted to buy any of them. So sounds cool though. So we, I mean, it was basically the. The like mesh bags that everyone carries their laptops in. It yeah. was a hard wood, one of those. I still carry it around and get compliments all the time. I don't have my laptop on me now. <laughs> You're like, but, you should have bought it then. Yeah, I said, yeah you know, you should have bought it. <laughs> you but, missed it. Uh, it was, we were around for 12 months or so. Um, never really got any traction. Uh, spent a lot of money on inventory and, and just didn't catch on. So started and stopped my first business in year one. Then we spun up Bat Hats with uh, a fraternity brother of mine named Matt Labus. He uh, was a 2019 grad quarterback out at DePauw, now works at um, Eli Lilly in finance. Mm. He and I, he, he had the idea, and Matt is a little risk averse. He's very properly planned out and i'm much more of like just jump in dive in figure it out as we yeah go. we'll figure it out as we go so that's what makes us a really great team um and we just rolled over one year of uh bat so when i say bat hats it's not a hat company at all that's what everyone <laughs> thinks it is like a driver head cover that people put on their golf clubs yeah but for a baseball bat yeah i still like it baffles me that that didn't exist like that just sounds I- like the most perfect like thing for kids like oh. everybody loves their little driver one especially like people that are not overly like serious golfers that have like the funny ones and yeah. whatever like that just seems so perfect for kids to like kind of spice it up make it a little oh. different yeah like our, our top sellers are like the flame emoji they just like imagine a little kid with his, his little baseball bats or softball bats hanging up and they have a flame and then our newest one uh, we get a ton of requests for is a unicorn oh. uh, little little softball girls love unicorns so we have that. yeah we have seven SKUs up right now uh, J- July 1st was our one year anniversary and in a year we shipped to I believe 46 different states dang so we got a ton of traction and it was most of it was even during like a, a pandemic year mm-hmm. so like we had a ton of good traction and, and we're working on scaling that and, and seeing where it'll go so um, do you think that could ever be the full time thing um I think we can set it up to run do itself. something or yeah, to run itself yeah. or, or kind of see where it goes and see if it could roll under like an umbrella of some other brands. I think that it, it's like, it could yeah. align pretty well with some other major like blue chip baseball brands. Yeah. Softball brands. We, we haven't talked about this too much on the podcast, but like the difference between my business and yours is yours is so much more scalable. Like I love my business, but like I, the business doesn't run without me. Mm-hmm. Yours, like you can set up to run without you, which is like. That's a pretty powerful thing. Yeah, and it's it's like 
been been very very cool to get to the kind of experience that and do the research on what are business systems you get to put in place to make this business run when when I'm sleeping right yeah like how do I get if I wake up in the morning and I've sold a hundred bat hats like that's a good day yeah. right it's like I, I was I was literally asleep and now we're, and we're passive income money. right passive there. <laughs> that's a buzzword that's a buzzword passive <laughs> income but it's true like uh so that's the, the cool part about bats is we're putting the systems where I no longer have to ship. Right, I don't have to spend all my time on Facebook Ad Manager yeah. figuring out how to get these sales. We can put the systems into place where we can start working more on the strategic vision of where we're directing it to. Yeah, um, but I mean that just doesn't happen. Like it came from, and here's a I don't know if we don't want to get into e-commerce, but like it came from the days of when we first launched the product. I just joined 500 youth parent um, Facebook groups. Yeah, so So I was in like North Texas softball moms posting, asking questions about what they thought about bat hats. I was in South Alabama baseball fathers. And I was (laughs) saying, hey, we just launched this product. What do you think of this? And I would literally get on there and post every night in like 10 or 12 different groups. And that's how we got our first like $10,000 in sales. And from there it was like, okay, how do we scale this? What do we go to now? Because it it was great. Everybody loves it. They think it's so smart for little kids. And like, yeah, there are people that think it's, really dumb but it's like everyone's gonna have haters you know yeah, and i'm cares? okay with that right so and that's how you know you're doing something right it's like yeah you know like you have the people that love you not everyone's gonna love every product like that's fine that's not the goal uh, yeah so then launch bad hats we're, we're a year into that and then actually the newest update and i don't know if we've connected on yet is yeah. me and then a few other four other rest to paw kind of our our fraternity crew out there launched a sports gambling newsletter. Oh, yeah, yeah. So think about like Morning Brew, but for sports gambling. And we just were uh, a finalist from Elevate Ventures pitch competition wow, and congrats. got our and closed our like first uh, round of funding and are going to get some, uh, we actually just got some money from from Elevate to go build out our product. So is that a daily newsletter? Uh, it's weekly I was going to say, moment. that'd be yeah, a lot to write. Yeah, we're, we're, not, we're not quite to daily yet, but we put out weekly and we're building a, we're basically building a product that's going to go out and find the best sports handicappers on Twitter. So let's say you start a Twitter account where you're putting out sports gambling picks or whatever. Yeah. Uh, we're going to find you, validate, track, make sure that you're not doing anything phony or fishy. Then we also aggregate across like ESPN, Oddshark, all the major accounts uh, and all the major sites, aggregate their content, very similar to Morning Brew, just in uh, the sports gambling vertical. So yeah. Officially now the uh, the one of the co-founders of a venture-backed business, which is a crazy that place is to really be cool. at. Um, and I like, I, do I enjoy saying that? Absolutely. I think it's pretty cool. But uh, <laughs> yeah. And then other than that, then the last thing I do that's like my, uh, the passion project is I coach. So I'm a head wrestling coach at Bishop Stard. And I'm starting my, this is crazy. I'm starting my second year as head coach there. I uh, got my first batch of seniors that I've seen all the way mm-hmm. through. So it's, uh, it's fun. Um, and, and that's kind of the thing that I say, like, refills my cup. Like, going in there and uh, I wrestle all through, I mean, all my life. So it's good to be able to give back and, and just be around the, the competition and, and be a competitor again. Yeah. So. A lot of things to dig into there. But one <laughs> yeah. of them, just like, my first thing is, like, what what allows you to do all this? I mean, like, full-time job, two business on the side, rental, coaching, like, what what – you know, pushes you, allows you to do all this? Yeah. Um, that's like an excellent question that I get, you get bored easily. Uh, a little bit. Yeah. Okay. I'm, I'm like always, and at any one time it's like, I, I doubt that there's a day that I spend like t- multiple hours on any one of these, yeah. but it's like, I'll, 
I'll set something up in coaching and get to the point where it's like doing going really well. And then the next day it's like, okay, cool. Now I want to work in email marketing. So I'll work in the newsletter. Now I want to, obviously I'm doing my full-time job and talking to, which as a head of community, it's very easy. It's like, my job is to get people plugged into tech where they want to be in, in between the coast, right? So I get to talk to people about technology companies and what they want to do and how they can get plugged in and mm-hmm. who to meet, right? Like I love just networking and meeting with people. And like, that's like one of my, that's another thing that fills up my cup per se. So um, really I've just like built my life and my work life. It's just like the work-life balance thing is just kind of all one thing. It's just Nate's yeah. life. Um, and I'm very... I'm like very adamant on like work and life can combine when it's all just great. Yeah. Like it's all fun. It's all things you enjoy. If you like your work, yeah. it feels like your li- life, yeah. not just like work and then I get, I go home and now I can actually do something I enjoy. Yeah. And and for me, it's just like never for, for a while, especially recently, right? It's, it's never been that way where I like feel like I have to do something I hate for 40 hours a week for the next 40 years of my life. Like that sounds miserable. Yeah. Uh, I'd rather just like, and I, I mean, I try to do the best work possible and like always provide like a really good product and everything that I do, but it all just becomes like, this is Nate Spangle's life, you mm-hmm. know, like, and I'm fortunate enough that I have a, have a great company that I work at that allows me to, to be me and encourages me to do things like podcasts and go out and be an entrepreneur, right? Like, cause that's what I'm passionate about and that's what mm-hmm. makes me, I mean, happier. So, yeah, yeah. I, I asked that because I think pretty much everybody I've had on here and pretty much everybody I know that is really successful it's like part of their life and part of their passion is like being so intellectually challenged and stimulated that like that's what drives them to succeed because like in myself what i feel is that like if i'm not challenged in my job where i feel like like i'm building towards something i i don't think i could keep doing it because i was just like i can't be like a repeat same process like when i think about financial planning i'm like my vision is to always be growing, growing clients, growing a firm. And if I was just there and I just stopped growing and my job was just a service, I don't think that I would be happy. And, and most entrepreneurs are that same way that they always have to be building and looking for something to attain or they kind of get bored. Yeah. Oh, I'm, I'm very much uh, – my favorite thing is like wins. Yep. Right? And like I love just like celebrating whether it's – getting funding or selling a new account for bad hats or a team order or whatever it is. I'm very much like motivated by like the next win, even if it's small. So Mm -hmm. that's why coming from the sales background, kind of mixing that with entrepreneurship, like obviously sales can become very routine and mundane if you're doing the same things over and over and over again. So it can be a lot of no's. Yeah. Yeah. Right. But then it was, how do I combine, but the win, like after you just see 10 no's and you get that one, that one, yes, it's amazing. So how I kind of just felt was like, if I spin up a few plates where I can always have these wins, like that's what gives me like the, the euphoric high, right? Mm -hmm. Where I'm like, yes, we're winning in this. Then how do we win in this? And now that so what we just launched our this is the 40th week we've done the newsletter, right? So mm. we've been we've had it out for a while. Um, we're rolling over like I think we just crossed, like we're close to 2,500 followers on Twitter. Like we're yeah. kind of getting some steam there. Bad Hats is getting some steam. So it's it was definitely very different a year ago yeah. when I was like I'm gonna I'm gonna put this iron in the fire. I'm gonna put this iron in the fire. I'm gonna put all this. And now they're kind of starting to come to fruition. Yeah, the proof like, of concept. Yeah, where they're like, oh, like people like this. People believe what we're doing. So how do we keep running with it? And it's for me, it's it's just exciting. You yeah. Know, like I just I, I'm like a I, I 
I describe myself as like a dog chasing cars like on a street and it's like one goes this way and I'm like chasing after that one and the next one but instead of bringing me back to where I was it just keeps me pushing forward and yeah. just, all these cars just lead me one way which is oh, good that's a really good way of putting it because I mean you're learning things that translate in every single one that makes you better at the next oh. thing even if, if they're different yeah I say like I think back to when we launched the, the laptop business right when we launched Heartwood it was I didn't know I didn't knew nothing right I thought that like this business would just grow itself. And then mm-hmm. when that one kind of like fizzled out, then we launched Pats and I was like, okay, wait, I've done this before. I know what we're doing. Then when we launched Cappers, um, th- that's the the newsletter. When we launched that, it was like, okay, we know how to get from that like zero stage to like that 0.75 stage. I wouldn't say we're quite at one yet on, mm-hmm. on that, but it's like the pathway gets easier every single time. And it's like, I think I'm I'm 24 years old. I've I've done more entrepreneurship in two years than a lot of people get to do in a lifetime, and I'm very fortunate for that. Mm-hmm. But I'm like very curious to see how all of these things keep elaborate. It's like I don't see myself slowing down anytime soon. Knock on wood. So it's like very exciting, very fun, yeah. um, and and it's just a great place to be at. And you see that like one year of entrepreneurship is like 10 times the learning that you learned in four years of college. Oh, and that's the that I think that's one of the crazy things. But I want to go back into apex for a minute so like you, you talked about consultant it was gonna be super cool then you figure out you're selling insurance like that feeling of like oh i don't know if this is really what i want to do like how did you get through kind of that time and like what because I, I feel this with a ton of young people that they're like they start their job and they expect it to be like this amazing thing but it's like you got to remember like it's like equivalent to being like a freshman in high school you're at the bottom of the totem pole like yes. you're getting the work that nobody else wants to do like, like you're you don't have this long leash like you don't get to work from home every day like they got they got to like you got to build that trust and you also have to do the work that like and earn your way there but i find so many young people unhappy with their job like they expected that they were about to be like the ceo at 22 and life was gonna be great yeah which is it's interesting right so yeah coming in there um definitely was an environment where i look back and and thank you to or fellowship where not the job i would have picked for myself yeah like truthfully um, and I'm not sure I was the candidate that they would have, but somehow, <laughs> somehow they ended up fight. We ended up finding each other and it was the perfect job that I didn't know that I needed. Yeah. Right. So coming in there and working in business development and sales for, for a B2B insurance company. Right. So I wasn't out there slinging life insurance policies to individuals, right? That's a grind. And I respect anyone that does that. Like that's a, that is like the true heroes. Yeah. But, uh, oh so gosh. we were in there selling, selling B2B insurance and, yeah, it, it is very much the grind, and you show up there. And I remember the first day they took me to. I was in this little office, um, like I had my own office within the office, and I thought I was so cool. <laughs> then I realized that that was the office where I would share. So then, what I thought was a big office ended up being a very small office for me and another guy. And we just had to. We were in the side office with the door because we would be on the phones, and yeah. no one else could hear us. And I, me being the the professional freshman that I am now, I was like, oh yeah, they put me in an office, the nice little window. Like we you're were like, so you're cool. ready to tweet and about then, it. Let yeah, everybody yeah, know. Like I was gonna make a LinkedIn <laughs> post about that. And then do I realize? It's, no, 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 Nate. We're in here so we can shut this door because we're gonna be on the phones. So and nobody else has us. to listen to you guys yeah, do it, right? And I was like, oh. And I, I, this is a true story that talks about how like naive I was. When I got my title, it was business development associate. And I was like, oh my. This is wrong. No, 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 no. I didn't know what it meant. I I didn't know what it meant. I was like, oh, I'm going to be working on the strategic vision, the strategic vision of this business. Like, 
oh my gosh, like, this is going to be an awesome job. And they're like, <laughs> sure you are. Yeah, you're going to work on the strategic vision of our sales pipeline, buddy. Like you're AKA gonna cold calling. Find us some leads. <laughs> so uh, pick up the phone and start dialing. And I was like, oh, that. So business development doesn't mean developing the entire business. It just means developing new business. Like that's how naive I was. But I spent, I spent two years there with spectacular people. Yep. people. I mean, great mentors. Uh, I was lucky enough that I got placed there with, uh, with another or fellow. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, so it was, I was from DePaul, she was from Butler, ended up being like the best friend I could, cause insurance is an old, an older yeah. kind of crowd, especially B2B health insurance where yeah. it's, I think the industry term is a gray haired industry. Mm-hmm. So I got put there with another or fellow, became great friends, uh, like the best of friends talking about all these things, insurance, right? Cause I mean, we're, can, you can relate. We're both, and we're both still like on our parents' insurance. Yeah. I'm not, I'm not 26. Like <laughs> I'm out there trying to sell something that I don't even like know anything about. Uh-huh. So, um, so it was awesome to like be able to go through that. And I mean, learn about this industry. that's very, very important. You know, like your deductibles, your co-pays, your this, your that, like, uh, like learning the product knowledge that's going to carry on for for years to come. Yeah. Yeah. So I would say, like I said, it was the best job I didn't know that I needed. Taught me a lot of structure. Taught me like the nose. Like even people who work in insurance don't want to talk about insurance. No. Like I'm calling them like, hey, do you want to talk about your your upcoming renewal? Like, no, man. Like I have a guy. I don't want to talk to you. Like call me never. Like not even call me in six, call me never. Yeah. Uh, But then it was like when I finally got like the first deal to the finish line, it was like a euphoric high again Mm -hmm. of like, Oh my gosh, like I'm 23 years old and someone just trusted me enough to to like get their entire company health insurance. Like let's go. Like I do know what I'm talking about. Like Eureka. Yeah, I think that's like the big thing is every job is not going to be what you love. Every role isn't going to be what you love, but it can shape you into figuring out what you do love and what you don't. Like my my first job, I was financial advisor, which is like sure you can they don't teach you about planning. You you sell some life insurance and and that's good. And I realized exactly what I didn't want to be so fast. Like, this is not where I want to be. This is not how I want to push people. This is blah, 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 blah. And I was really unhappy, but I took a lot of the things there, went to learn around the industry and then applied it to get exactly where I wanted. But like, I would never have known if I didn't go through that side of it. Oh yeah. And I think that so many times in life, it's like finding the things that you don't like, mm-hmm. right? Like then then finding the things and only doing stuff that you think you like. Mm-hmm. Like so often I've spent like, I, my kind of saying is like, I'll do anything once, like twice yeah. if I like it, you know? Because like you try these things and you go and work at these jobs and I mean, oh my goodness, my, like my entire high school career, my most of my, my college career, I was dead set. I wanted to work at Eli Lilly. I was like, oh my gosh, mm-hmm. I'm going to get into their internship, their internship program. And I'm going to go work at the most stable. I thought I was going to be was an the accountant. Same. I thought I was going to be an accountant. I literally said like the most state, like I just looked around my friend. Like you talked about earlier, you said you do what your parents and your friend's parents do. It's like, That's all I looked know. around and I saw like the most stable people I knew were accountants and they worked at big corporations. And I was like, that's going to be me. And then then it comes around, like, the Eli Lilly, the Eli Lilly internship process and uh, didn't get in, didn't get accepted. And I was like, thought my life was over. Yep. Then when I, I went and worked at a startup, a startup brewery, which my junior summer going into right before senior year, I'm working at a brewery in Broad Ripple here in Indianapolis. I'm a sales kind of uh, associate for them. And it was amazing. It was like every day was different. I never knew what I was going to do. It kept me on my you have toes. an impact. I had an impact. I was like servicing clients, selling stuff. It was amazing. And there was no like set 
timeline. Like if you go work at one of these big corporations, it's like, and which if you do that, I have tons of respect for it. But I just couldn't be on the path where it was two years, uh, then yeah. you get a promotion, two years raise, two years senior, whatever, you know, like. If, if the politics are right. If too. the politics are right. I was very much more like, let me come in here. Let me make an impact. Let me drive some, some revenue or whatever and like show you what I can do. Because at the end of the day, my end goal is to like fully dive in and be like a founder of like something something big. Yeah. So the best way to do that is to go and learn how how to do that, right? So that's how yeah. I ended up at a startup as employee seven at Powder Keg. Um, and we're working on growing growing that brand over there. It's just, I don't know, very, very interesting how things end up working out in the way that, uh, that you want, as long as you keep like pressing forward, you know? Yeah, so. I think that's a good point because, um, I mean, I think there's a lot of hate on corporate now. Like before, like everything was corporate and still like Butler, like all the schools are like, Oh my gosh, Roche or Eli Lilly or whoever's going to be on campus. Like everybody get ready, practice all your interviews, do what you want. So it's pushed to you that like the dream always is go corporate, work there for as long as you can earn, work your way up, get the salary, take the international gig, come back. And that's, that's what I wanted to. That's what I saw. I did the Eli Lilly internship and then I didn't get the offer after. And I was Ooh. like, I thought my life was over. And then I started working smaller business and I was like, man, I don't want to be corporate like at all. Like I just, I feel like my impact isn't there. I feel like what I can do really doesn't have a say. And to me, that wasn't like very fulfilling. And now like I'm managing people's money. I work directly with clients that make tons of money, business owners, all this stuff. And I know if I would have went corporate, like I'm 15 years away from making even close to the impact that I make now. And to me, that's super fulfilling. And, and, you know, building something for yourself, like I'm not here to say anything is wrong because not, I mean, entrepreneurship isn't right for everybody. There are so many people that that would cause so much anxiety and fear and and being more on this other side that has, you know, a straight line path. You learn this and then you learn that and they have better training. That's great for some people, but I feel like I'm the opposite where I'm like a learn as I go type person. Mm -hmm. Like, and I, I, I think you have the same quality and I think one of my biggest strengths and one of your biggest strengths is that you don't really see something that you can't do it. And like the, that's something that not many people have of just that view and the mindset of like, eh, I can figure it out. Like yeah. that belief. Yeah. That was kind of like, and, and that was like the realization where when you don't get that job offer, right. You don't, when they don't see something in you that you're like, what do you mean? It's right in front of you. Like, I know I can do this job. Like yeah. that, that job would be easy, you know? And they're like, yeah, you know, you're just not, you're not cut from the cloth or whatever. And it's, it's very, very, um, it was a moment of realization where it's like, okay, a little bit like chip on the shoulder, like, screw you, buddy. Like, I'm going to go do this myself. And and then it's also like not having to run stuff up this massive chain. of It's like I want to iterate fast. I want to move fast. I want to fail fast. I want to learn fast. And I want to go fast. Um, small and, companies can do that. Yeah, and, and it's, it's just great when it's like the problem is laid out in front of you. You have no idea what you're doing, but it's like we can figure this out. And that's like great because I think that, that a lot of times at the bigger corporation, it's – very much like you know what you got to do like this status quo is the status quo you're you're going to just keep plugging along you're doing that what people have done before you then they get promoted and you move up where they are and which is great i mean like you're doing stuff that changes the world like truthfully you could be wherever you are at lily which is i love it you could be you're changing the world like doing really really cool stuff um i just like have really found my passion in the impact that you bring to 
a business, mm -hmm. like a smaller business. And I think maybe part of the realization for you too is when you were growing up thinking of accounting, Eli Lilly, you're like, ooh, I can make good money there, not much risk. I know I get plenty of time off. I know I get to like, I don't have to work when I'm outside of work. And that sounds really good. But like, I think the one thing that I found, especially working with people with money is that so many people grew up thinking that money was the goal. Like the goal really was, I don't care whether I love my job, I hate my job, I work a lot of hours, I don't work hours, as long as I have the money, then my life will be good. And then most people come to realize that it's like, no, I would rather do something I love and make less money and enjoy it than make more money, but be miserable 40 to 60 hours a yeah. week and then come home and be like, oh, finally I'm away. And like yeah. the Sunday scaries and just be miserable <laughs> all the time is not worth the money for, for most people. I know that does, not everybody has the reality of being able to change that. But a lot of people do. I mean, I, I think back to growing up. All right, so small, rural, northern Indiana. What drove me to want to be an accountant, right? So um, my mom at the time didn't work, and my dad was a machinist in like a blue collar. He made like hip replacement, like what goes into your hips. And that's what his factory did. And he worked 50 to 60 hours every single week, came home, hated his job. He literally sat on a machine and just like grinded parts away for 25 years of his life. Um and it just like, and even though he made decent money, it was like money was always still like the problem. It was like, and I was like, oh my gosh, like so-and-so's parents, who's the accountant that works at this big corporation, like they're not ever stressed about money. They get the Jordan ones and they get this <laughs> and they get that. I'm like, yeah. I'm going to go figure out how to be an accountant at the biggest company that I know. Yeah. Um, and then it's like, you get there. And what I've always realized and what I've realized over the last five years was like, if you're working hard enough and you're enjoying what you're doing, like- Money does become less of an option, but it always seems to, in my eyes, like it's always found me. Yeah. Like if I'm like doing stuff that's revenue creating, like I can always go find money. Like during one summer in college, I was like working an internship and I started mowing lawns on the side and yeah. built up like 20 clients that I would mow their lawn every other week. Like you can always go and find money. Mm-hmm. And like you're at that point, you're trading your time for money. Like you're mowing 20 lawns every two weeks. Like, yeah, it's not like glamorous, but it paid like... 30 to 50 bucks a yard. Like that's not bad for a side gig. So, mm -hmm. and, th and that's kind of like the, mi the mindset that I realized was if you think about, if you're just out chasing money, like you're never going to find it in my eyes, like just working the nine to five. If you're like chasing the, the multi-million dollar retire to Hawaii bag, you know, like you're not going to find that with your 80, $100,000 salary, like whatever you can make an unlimited money because your lifestyle is going to grow with that. Yeah. So like the sooner you realize that, that doing what everybody else is doing isn't going to get you some different result. That was like kind of when it was like a realization to me of like, okay, then why don't I do what I love and mm -hmm. like do what I love on the side too. And it's like combine that all together and just like live the best possible life yeah. I can and let their, like the money thing. I don't know if you have a good work ethic, it always figures itself out. Yeah. And I think that's a, I think there's a good point there that, a lot of like the people that you see that are chasing money, you see it. Like it is so evident to people that like everything they're doing is all about money versus the other person that what they're doing is about their passion and like what they're trying to build. Like there, I think there's something that resonates with people of like, that that person seems really authentic. Like they are passionate about what they're doing because they're doing this because they this is impacting other people versus the people that are like, I'm picking this business that's gonna make a ton of money and every decision I make is about money. Like, oh, you wanna talk to me for an hour? That's that's $500 at, like you're a young person. Like there, there are people like that. And I think that good business comes to people who really are authentic. Oh, it's, it's crazy to think about though, but I think that I have 
had more financial success, the less that I've cared about 100%. financial success, right? Like the more that you're willing to give, give, give to somebody and like take up time and go do this, go do that, like help them out along the way. It's like the more that your time becomes, obviously your time is worth a lot and the more you yeah. do stuff, it's worth something. But like the more you're giving, so imagine, let's say you're, let's say you're 20 years old and you're just starting your first job or whatever. Like, yeah, you know what your time is worth because you know what you get paid for. Now it's like, I feel like my time has exponentially increased, but I'm even more willing to give that time away yeah. to anyone who asks me a question or wants to talk. Like, I think it's so important because I think about the people that did that for me as yeah. I was kind of like, and that still do that for me all the time. Mm -hmm. um, and it's just kind of funny how it ends up working. Like, not that you shouldn't care. But obviously, you want to run profitable businesses. You want to obviously be growing your your wealth and your finances. But like the less that you start like penny pinching and, and like charging everyone for gas money on Venmo every time 100%. you drive somewhere, like the more that it just kind of comes full circle and like people do see the, the authentic, like you're a good business person. Like I want to I wanna do business with people that are just good people. Yeah. Yeah, and that's that's also part of being a business owner is you pick who you work with. Like, I think that's a that's a pretty cool part of it. So, um, let's talk a little bit about long term. Like you've said yeah. that long term, you want to be like the CEO, founder of, of some cool business. So, how does that fit into like the role you're at? At Powder Keg was the goal. Like, hey, I, I'm not really ready to fully launch my own business. Like, I want to take this, or is this like, hey, I want to do that long term and evolve into a different spot there? Like. Where do you really see your future going? Um, so when when I was looking and vetting out my next role, uh, I looked at not so much at just companies. I looked at or roles even. Like I didn't even like I, all I knew is that I wanted a unique role. Mm -hmm. I didn't want to be an account executive. I didn't want to sell insurance. I didn't want to do this normal. Like I can sell stuff. You know, like my grandma says I could. I think she said I could sell snow to an Eskimo. But like I didn't want to do just the normal sales role. I said whatever I do is like I want to. One, work in something that's super unique that not a lot of people get the opportunity to do. And two, I want to go work for someone that I'm going to learn from that's like in a space where I want to be at in 5, 10, 15 years, right? So I found Matt Hunkler. He's the CEO of Powder Keg. Mm -hmm. um, he and I connected on LinkedIn and just started talking. And he was an Orfellow uh, from maybe 10 years before me. And uh, he's been doing really cool stuff. He's traveled around the world and spoke. He's been um, an entrepreneur. He helped grow. He helped grow a couple businesses. Uh, I think the most was uh, with Scott Jones and Cha Cha and one of their spinoffs. So like, definitely just like seasoned in entrepreneurship and was someone I definitely respected. And I was like, you know what? Like, I can go give three, five, six years maybe. I don't know. That might be a lot. But like I can go give three to five years of like learning and growing and working in a true technology startup because that's going to be invaluable. Like yeah. you say that one year of entrepreneurship's worth a dozen uh, like working your job. Like I think one year at a start, I'm, I'm seven weeks into a startup right mm -hmm. now and I'm like, holy cow, I'm already learning a yeah. lot, a lot of stuff in, uh, in, in that two month time period. So, um, and it wasn't so much that I don't think I think that it will just help with my entrepreneurship journey to go. Uh, Apex had 80 people, I think, when I left, right around there. And it wasn't really a true startup. Uh, and now I'm at employee number seven. And I think that it's going to help me in the long term, like seeing how you how you grow and scale a business. And the product that we're building over there, um, super cool. I get to work specifically on their newsletter, mm -hmm. which like applies in multiple areas of my life. Right, yeah. I'm working on growing a, a newsletter about what's going on in, in tech between Silicon Valley and New York. Yeah. So think about all the way, everywhere in the Midwest, Austin, Kansas City, 
uh, Raleigh Durham. I get to go and and I get to learn about these tech hubs and what kind of companies are growing there. Mm-hmm. And I get to not report on it, but like, but create like a, a newsletter based around that to help people get plugged into who's hiring, who's raising money. What are they doing? What are they looking for? Like, what are they doing that's revolutionary in this center of the country? Um, and I need to work on a newsletter. So that, that then applies to what I'm learning there, applies to our sports gambling newsletter, mm-hmm. of, right? Learning the true, like, boots on the ground tactics. Um, so I don't know. I think that it was, it was really important for me to find the person yeah. that I was like, uh, somebody I could look up to, somebody I can learn 100%. from. Um, and that's like a thing that. That a lot of people like you. It's tough to find if you're not out actively out in like the, in the ecosystem, like looking for mentors. Like yeah. finding a mentor is challenging. Yep. Right. It's it's like and it's kind of like awkward. It's kind of like asking a girl out on a date. You're mm-hmm. like, like is, do you ever have that conversation where like, hey man, like, would you be my mentor? It's like no. Like you don't. Do you do people still ask like uh, like or so? Do you want to be my girlfriend? At like, I mean, I'm 24. I'm probably not doing that right. Now. But uh. <laughs> Like, but it, but it's very much like that, where it's like you just find someone, you like get a monthly coffee with them, and they like they end up just like sharing their knowledge with you, and, and it's never like they're officially your mentor. Like you can have lots of mentors; it's awesome. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think that that's super important when you you want to develop as like a a future founder, a future entrepreneur, or even like a a great employee. Yeah. Like find the best dang employee at your company and say, Bernice. Randy, how how have you done this? You've been here for 25 years. You do the best work out of anybody. It's like, what's the secret? Mm-hmm. Like, we want to get lunch. Spend $12 on lunch for Bernice or Randy. T- take them to lunch and say, what's the secret? How do you do such good work? Yeah. Um, I, I, I think that that's like so powerful. I love that because that's what I did. Like, I, I think it's really hard to become what you want when you don't see anybody that you know in that position. And, th- and that's the thing. And like, I knew what I wanted to, to be, but I didn't know how to get there. And Justin was exactly who I want to be, what I want to emulate, type of advisor I want to be. And getting to be under somebody like that and learn from them for even a short period of time is like, it's actually like game changing in your life. And I think the mentorship thing is huge. Like I, I actively find people that I'm like, that person's amazing. Like I'm sure Jason Wank isn't going to listen to this podcast, but Jason Wank is the CEO of this company that's basically like a TD Ameritrade. It's new. It's amazing. And he ran two RIAs, which is what RLS is, top 100 in the country, just this awesome guy. And I reached out to him and I'm meeting with him this month to start talking. He's like, anything I can do to help you grow? Like, I see the stuff you put out. It's amazing. And I like, I think people are scared to do that. It's exciting. Like when when someone you really look up to, like, accepts your connection request on LinkedIn or they like comment on something. Um, it just like gets your blood pumping a little bit. It's, it's really exciting. And they feel good too. They like, they, they want like, if a 15 year old, a kid who's in college reached out to you and was like, dude, like you emulate so many things that I want to be. I'd love if I could like pick your brain for you a little bit. You're like ego boost. Like oh life is good. Gosh, I'm doing yeah. things right. Like, and people are like, oh, they're going to hate that. I asked them this. Like, no, they're actually flattered. Because everybody still struggles in their mind a little bit. Nobody actually thinks that they're there where they want to be. There's always like people the talk about that. Syndrome. Yeah, there's always that next thing. We always want to get to something next, and they're like, "Oh, I see this." Now, when you're in that circle, now you see somebody that's farther ahead than you. There's always somebody farther ahead than you, and then you kind of forget that there are people behind you that are really looking up to you, and that's a cool feeling. That is, and I'm going to plug Indianapolis for a second there. That is the great part about Indianapolis, is there are people that are getting invited to like the dance, right? You say like, if you call the dance like that elite circle of Indianapolis of like the people who everyone like aspires to be and looks up to and have done these great things. There are so many people willing to like 
ask these 24 year olds to come to come check out the dance come mm-hmm. coming out like i've i've been very very fortunate but i've also thrown out thrown a lot at the wall and you just got to see what sticks right so if you throw out i actually made a, a linkedin post about this the other day but it's like in the indianapolis circle let's say there's 10 great you call them influencers you call them business leaders you call them community leaders whatever you want to call them if there's 10 of that they have all gotten linkedin requests from me they've <laughs> all gotten whatever and like let's say i can i can honestly say like I bet out of the 10, there's six that have accepted. I've gotten coffee with four of them, gotten multiple coffees with two of them. Yeah. And and one of them ended up hiring me, right? Like, that yeah. was great. But, like, it's a game of numbers. It's like sales. Like, mm-hmm. no matter what, it's like building that network, building those connections. And it's like, obviously, don't think of it as transactional like sales. But um, but it's super important to, to like, go out there and, and just, like, put some – like, I have, I have set physical – physical mailers like literally a note i have a yeah. note out to one of the one i won't say any names here, but one of the key uh key personalities on linkedin in indianapolis i have a physical note out to his company no response so kyle lacy <laughs> <laughs> yes yes it's, it's kyle so kyle if you ever find yourself listening to the long game maybe hit me back on the note man i gave you my i want to meet him too i really I gave do my cell number i'd love to hear back from you but it's like that's okay, you know what? Because yeah. when I one day see him in person, I'll call him out. No, I won't. But <laughs> um, but that's the thing. It's like I put out ten of those, and you know, you get six responses, you get four coffees. Like those four Some coffees. Are okay. yeah. yeah, those four coffees gave me far more value than like than what I would have been at if I wouldn't have got the no. Yeah. Like, it's so worth it. Hundred like, percent. I love and I love just like the meeting new people. Again, that's like something that fills my cup up. Yep. Like I could, it's not sleep. It's not good food. It's not whatever. It's going and talking to people. Yeah. That is just like, I'm going to walk out of here. It's a Friday afternoon when we're recording this. I'm going to walk out of here with a next level of energy going. Into <laughs> like I love it. Me too, man. So as we wrap up three questions, I always ask everybody. Um, first one is like, as you look back on your journey so far, I mean, we're both, you know, early on, but like, what is like the one thing that you wish you could pass on to younger generation? Like people that are coming up, like the one most impactful thing that you've been taught or learned that you wish you could pass on. I think that the being able to like pull your, okay, I'm going to word this correctly. Yeah. Being able to pull your mindset into the person across the table. Whether that means you're network, you're reaching out to network with someone, you're walking into an interview, you're talking to a CEO, whoever it is, being able to like see from their eyes, is that empathy? I believe yeah, so. Yeah. But it's like like being able to see their eyes, they're a person too, yeah. right? So like when you're talking and like maybe you're getting a little nervous because it's uh, someone you want to you get a job or you're trying to talk to the CEO, you're trying to network with somebody, realize that they're a person too and like they're not like... If they're ghosting you, then it's like, okay, they're busy. Like you get busy too. You probably forget to text back your grandma. Like that happens. Right. But like know that they're still a person on the other side of the table. Yeah. And be able to like speak to that sense. Like I just have a, a really I've I've been blessed with a a way to like talk to people like it's just a normal conversation. Yeah. And whether it's a job interview or whether it's a networking meeting or coffee or whatever it is, I always just end up getting really, really authentic conversations out yeah. of anybody I talk to. 100%. And that just comes from knowing that there's a person on the other side of the table or wherever you're talking. So. Yeah, and I think you can almost even take that a step further too is like sometimes also remembering that like to not take things personally as well. Like the other person is a person, but we all, I feel like so many people like our egos are so big that we think that the other person's thinking about us as much as 
that we think about ourselves. And it's like, well, why did they do that? Like, didn't they know that that hurt my feelings or why? It's like, no, they were just doing what they were thinking about their life. And everybody's like, oh, this person didn't do this. And that person didn't do that. And it made me feel this way. And you're like, okay, but just how it put yourself in your mind. Like, are you thinking about that person and their thought right there as you go through life? Probably not. So how can you expect them to? I, I would say that's the biggest thing that I learned through my two years in North fellowship. And this is another one is like how to be a very good listener. Yeah. And like, if anyone can tell from this, like I freaking love talking. Yeah. I love, and I love, and you ask, ask anyone, like I, Nate Swingle loves talking about himself too. So, <laughs> uh, but after two years, it was like being able to sit at a table and just like ask these probing questions Yeah, where you like really find out. And like people love, like you'll be funny when you come out of a, a networking meeting where you don't speak at all, you know, that was the best network. And like that person has, that person loves you. Yep. If you, the less words that I have to say, the more I'm going to shake my head and say, so can you elaborate on yeah, that? Tell me more the, about then that. They're like, they're going home. They're telling their wife, their husband. They're like, oh my gosh, that Nate Spangle. He's like, that was the best coffee meeting I've ever had. And I'm over there sitting like, well, Bernice, I said three <laughs> words, but I'm glad you enjoyed yourself. Like, no. And I n- learned so much about you. Like, but you understand that. Everybody, yeah. you want to talk about yourself. I want to talk about myself. Everyone's talking about their self and nobody asks other people about themselves. Like I, I, I used to get kind of offended sometimes because I'd be talking to like people I haven't seen like a year and I would ask them like a hundred questions about their life, their job, all of these things. And then they'd be like, dude, nice catching up. I'm like, I'm like, wait, what? Like you, you didn't even ask one thing about me. And then I realized like, wow, that you can really stand out as a person if, if you don't know how to talk to people, just literally ask them questions just about themselves. That's all you have to do. Oh my and they're going to be like, wow, I really like that. And it's like, you're like, I don't know if that was that great of a conversation on my end, but like I got them to talk about all of these things about themselves. And you could tell there's all these things that they wanted to say. And you learn so much. Like, I think that one of the, the differentiating factors of like what I think of like entrepreneurs and founders and people who are really good salespeople are like just being naturally curious. Yeah. Like whenever someone says, I'm like, now, what exactly like, did you mean by that? Yeah. And like, or just like, oh, so like, like just take it one layer deeper, like obviously within, within reason. But it's just like, if you're just naturally curious about how the world works, you end up finding so many things out and, and it ends up going great. So mm-hmm. they, maybe maybe it all stems down to a natural curiosity about the world. I, I totally agree with that. <laughs> so last question, what is one question you wish more people asked about you? Oh, Wow. So I'll give you a second to think. I explain this every time for people, but I asked this question. I don't know where I heard it from, but I asked this question because I feel like every person is unique and has something that like is like we can all teach somebody about or all be the best or or whatever. And if somebody just asked this question about us, I could help more people or I could do this. I know it's really hard. That is a that is a fantastic question. Um, what is one question I wish more people asked about? me <laughs> this is with the interview help where you take a sip of water yeah you think a couple we're, questions we're crushing some uh some saturday <laughs> sodas let's go um wow okay i wish i don't know i was about to just start talking right there and i didn't know where it was gonna go so yeah. i probably need to formulate and we're gonna yeah well we, we can cut yeah it. um I, I think that, um, I don't know how I'm going to say. So re-back re, re what you said of like where I could help more people if they just asked me this. Yeah. I mean, you can take it that way. You can take it like like some people have just said like, I wish more people, I think when I got asked this question, because I, I switched with Justin and put the questions out there, I just mm-hmm. said, I wish more people just asked 
questions about me just like in general like just ask like wanted to actually get to know me on a level that wasn't like hey let's just talk let's talk service level let's leave like i, I wish more people just spent the time to ask questions to get to know who i am as a person that's fair okay all right let's uh we'll bring it back in i think I got yeah it. i might even leave it honestly oh, okay i mean that was a good little riff right there yeah um i think i wish more people asked where I want to be and where I'm going, mm-hmm. right? So if you, if more people ask me about that, because uh, frankly, I don't know. Mm-hmm. And I think that that would help me kind of clarify my future path mm-hmm. of like, and that's kind of like a selfish approach to take it. But like, no, I, I, uh, I think about like a lot of times I've had conversations with everybody. They're like, oh, you do all these things. Like you're going to go do these big things and you're going to go do whatever and be this great entrepreneur. And I'm like, well, some of these like I struggle to, to feel that way, right? Yeah. Like everybody struggles with like the imposter syndrome of like 100%. I don't know where I'm going, I don't know what I'm doing. 100%. Um, so I think they said like, okay, well, where do you want to go? Where do you want to do? And like, didn't let me like cop out and say like, well, I don't know. Of like, you can will that into existence, right? If people get me talking about, well, in two years, like maybe, maybe if I would have said that uh, two years ago that I wanted to launch my own business, like bats would have been ready to roll right now. And like, I would have dove in and been mm-hmm. my own entrepreneur. Right. Yeah. So I think the, the, the final question comes down to where do you want to be? Where yeah. do you want to go? And I, I think that's good because like what I found working with millennials is that we all just kind of have surface level goals and we don't actually like think about the things that we really want or where we want to go or what we want to do. And that's why like with me, with my clients, like we have an entire meeting where I take them through really deep questions. And most of the time what they told me in the beginning about what they wanted by the end, they realize they don't actually want a lot of those things. And I think that's the power of like, we just kind of live life. We like become creatures of habit. We get up, we do our routine, we do this and life and life starts to pass us by and we don't actually even know where we're going or what we're trying to achieve. And you need somebody. I think that's one of the most powerful things about what, what I can help people do is I can actually help them uncover and figure out what they want to do. And then how do they actually do that? Yeah. I think uh, (laughs) I don't even live by it, but I need to, um, is like the people that write down their goals, write down like their yearly goals, write down their five-year goals. I think that is so powerful because mm-hmm. it's like you have like that nor- – like right now, forever seems so far away, right? It's like 30. Mm-hmm. I'm 24 years old. I just turned 20, 24 in March. Like the idea of being 30 seems so far away. But at the time when I was 18, 24 seemed so far away. That's the same amount of time, right? Like mm-hmm. that's terrifying. I think if I would have wrote down, I probably would have said that I wanted to be like the next Mark Zuckerberg by 24, right? So yeah. like, maybe I need to write down what I'm going to do by 30 and, and like keep that as a North Star and keep I think going. It is powerful. But, but it's also like it adapts. Like it's, yeah. what I say today that I want by 30 is, might not might be different than what I say next year that I want by 30. But yeah. Like, write down some goals and, and take a yeah. look at them. True. All right, mate. Well, I really appreciate you coming on. I thought this was awesome. Hopefully we can get a lot of people to listen because I think there's a, a lot to unpack here. But um I always say before we go, where's the best places to follow you? So I'm going to do that just in case people don't see the blog post. Yes. Great. Um, I would say first and foremost, LinkedIn. I'm a huge LinkedIn guy. Yeah, we um, get after it on LinkedIn. Yeah. We're <laughs> some LinkedIn some LinkedIn gang. And then uh, it's Nate Spangle on Twitter, Nate Spangle on Instagram. And then, okay, these are the one, these are the important ones. At Cappers Collect on Twitter, at Shop Bat Hats on Instagram. Perfect. Um, Yep, that's it. And I will link to them. You the man. Appreciate you, man. Thanks for coming on. Of course.